0: Hello and welcome to the Dawkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows: That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews, the Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the f- last 20 minutes of the movie. That That's hilarious. what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a fuck a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideouts. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the Podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information check out thedorkening.com. She who is buried here shall henceforth have no name, shall cease to exist in the minds of man, as she has ceased to exist in life. For thousands upon thousands of years, she lay there, perfectly preserved in all her beauty, in all her evil. We do have her name, Tara. Oh, it's
1: beautiful.
0: Wear it always. Wear it now.
1: Here. Across the centuries to
0: another time, to another place, she is back amongst the living to claim all that is hers. You're ready to kill me? No, no, no! ...to threaten those who woke her from her eternal sleep. Resurrection? A rebirth, for terror. Complete control. Over life, over death. Who are you? It was her, his as life, standing over there. No, it happened. You have to help me. You know its power. I have no mind left, no will. In the name of Terra, she is back. To destroy those who helped to raise her evil flesh and blood from the mummy's tomb. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. Tonight, we are talking about blood from the mummy's tomb, and I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And tonight, we emphasize the hell out of boobs in this movie. <laughs> Holy good God. <laughs> in all of their glory that uh we can be respectful for but uh wow 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 right off the bat i'm gonna say the boobs award for this as we do in every episode go to valerie leone <laughs> the star yes. of this movie because that dress did you get my voice text i sent you about how like with your long hair you could like easily pull this off
1: oh I know and we also wear the same exact makeup like we're the same winged eyeliner i was like damn i could can- I could cosplay this.
0: <laughs> you gotta do this. You gotta do this. You gotta do this and stick it up on your OnlyFans, you know what I mean? Or you know, however well you wanna do that on your thing, that's totally up to you and fine. But we definitely we should have like a promo picture of you done up like this. You know yeah. what I mean? And put like a green screen with like an Egyptian thing jiggy behind you. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, however, you want to do it. You're a graphic designer. I'm sure you can come up with something. But I think you should definitely do something like that. Just because it just it would be very fetching. It's such a beautiful nightgown too. You know what I mean? It's oh, very yeah. low cut, but it's like it hangs right down to the feet. So it's it's very you know it's 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 like it's so elegantly beautiful in in this movie. She wears it so often too. She does. And if she's not wearing that, it's that purple coat she has. Oh, my god! Oh, that purple coat is so cool. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. And she stands out like a sore thumb every time she wears it. If It's not the black dress with the boobs hanging out. It's the the <laughs> cleavage. It's the purple dre- coat, which is, like, buttoned right up to her neck. And she just looks so fantastic in it. And this woman is still alive today. And I've reached, tried reaching out to her. I've sent emails to her website. God, I would love to have her on the show. She's also a Bond girl, too. So if you want to buy photos from her on her website, she has pictures of her from this and of her as the Bond girl.
1: Yeah, she's awesome.
0: Definitely. <laughs> uh she was in Thunderball, I believe.
1: Okay, I couldn't remember. I know I saw I know I had read that earlier.
0: Yeah, it's either Thunderball or Quant or uh I'm sorry. It's either Thunderball or it's um well I'll find out in a second when we get to IMDB. But in the yeah. meantime, Roe has the plot synopsis for us for the final of the four Hammer Mummy movies, which is debatable whether or not it's really a mummy movie until the end of the movie or not. So it's it's yes. very weird, but we'll we'll get there.
1: Yes, okay, so this, like we just said, is our final money Mummy movie, um, and if you are just now listening to this one, we have covered the first three, so if you want, you can go back and listen to them, but they're not at all... Um, Connected by story. <laughs> this was first released on October 17th, 1971, directed by Seth Holt and Michael Carreras. This film is based on the Bram Stoker novel, The Jewel of Seven Stars.
0: Uh, just Our- real quick Stoker. Mm-hmm.
1: What did I say? Did I say Stroker?
0: You said Stroker.
1: <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> That's Maybe okay.
0: You that. That's fine. Uh, what did, did you, by the way, do you know what's written on the back of the retail edition of Vada? No. A quote by Descartes Stoker.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Bram Stoker's great-great-grandnephew, uh, who awesome. has written the official Stoker family sequel to Dracula. Um, oh, that's so cool. And he gave me a quote about female vampires and how <laughs> um, they are uh, awesome and cool on the back of my book. Oh, that's awesome. Yep.
1: All right. I'm going to try. I'm going to try this one again. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. First released on October 17th, 1971, directed by Seth Holt and Michael Carreras. This film is based on the Bram Stoker novel, The Jewel of Seven Stars. Our film begins with Margaret Fuchs, Valerie Leon, in bed dreaming in an ancient Egyptian tomb. Some priests are burying Queen Tara, also played by Valerie Leon, who looks exactly like Margaret. As part of the ritual, they chop her hand off, take it outside and throw it to the dogs. They go back into the tomb and place the lid on the sarcophagus. Outside, a dog dies on the ground with its throat ripped open and blood as the hand crawls away. And the priests leave the tomb, and a sandstorm appears, and they all die, their, cuts, their throats also cut open. The severed hand crawls away. Margaret awakes screaming from her nightmare, and there's a scar on her wrist in the same spot. Her father, Professor Julian Fuchs, Andrew Weir, comes to comfort her. Another man, another man, Corbeck James Villiers, watches from uh, across the street in an empty house... The next morning, the professor gives Margaret a ring containing a large ruby for her birthday. She puts it on before going off with her boyfriend Todd, Mark Edwards, in his sports car, observed again by Corbeck. In a mental hospital, two orderlies look at Berrigan, George Corleus, in his cell, which has a desk and some furnishings. He is seeing some lights that look like seven stars on his carpet. Todd inspects Margaret's ring closely. He thinks it must have come from her father's expedition. Todd says he will take it to a friend who can give them more information. Todd and Margaret visit expert Jeffrey Dandridge, Hugh Burden, to show him the ring, but when he sees Margaret, he collapses. Seven star-like lights appear in the ring. Meanwhile, fortune teller Helen Dickerson, Rosalie Crutchley, Rosalie Crutchley is looking into her crystal ball to read a fortune for a customer, but sees the same seven star-like lights as well. She is alarmed and asks the customer to leave. Later, at the end of the day, Jeffrey sends his assistant home and then goes to a cupboard and takes out and opens a box containing a dog skull. Corbeck arrives and Jeffrey explains that he's seen a woman with the ring. Corbeck explains that she is Margaret Fuchs, the daughter of Professor Fuchs, and it will soon be her birthday, and it will soon be time. That night, Margaret dreams again about the soul of Queen Tara living all these years while her mortal body has waited. Her time is drawing near, and it was she who guided people to her tomb to find her. In a flashback... Explorers Professor Fuchs, Jeffrey, Corbeck, Berrigan, and Helen Dickerson enter Queen Tara's tomb. Around the tomb are several ornaments, including a cobra snake, a skull of a dog, and a statue of a cat. They open the sarcophagus and see Queen Tara's body with the hand severed. The hand is on the floor next to the sarcophagus with the ruby ring on the finger. The professor takes the ring off the finger and from its inscription identifies identifies the mummy as Queen Tara. At the same time, Miss Fuchs is in the hospital giving birth to a baby, but she dies. The baby at first appears to be stillborn, but then the doctors hear its heartbeat. The uh, the severed arm of Queen Tara in the sarcophagus starts bleeding fresh blood. Margaret awakes from her dream and tells Todd she must leave immediately. In the basement of his house, Professor Fuchs opens the sarcophagus and looks at Queen Tara's body. Margaret and Todd arrive, observed by Corbeck, but there is an ominous feeling and sound from the basement. They break down the door to the basement and rush to the professor, who has a cut on his neck. He instructs them to call Dr. Putnam, Aubrey Morris. They put the professor in the bed, but he is unresponsive. Dr. Putnam says that the professor will be like that for a few days, but he cannot reveal much about the professor's wishes other than that his work would astound the world of science. That night, Margaret goes to the basement and has a look at the queen's body. Corbeck also arrives and explains that the ruby is the symbol of the god to come. The professor's life work was to discover the legend of the queen and find the truth. And he and Korbeck and their team searched for the, her tomb together. There was an attack on one of their members in the tomb and fresh blood from Tara's wrist at the exact same time that Margaret was born in the image of Tara. Todd arrives and they agree Tara has some kind of astral power, which will be directed against them if they don't understand it. They agree and they must contact all old members of the team and help reunite Tara with her soul. Todd and Margaret visit Berrigan at the mental hospital. When he sees Margaret, he's frightened. Margaret realizes that he thinks she is Tara, so she pretends to be Tara and asks for her familiar, her snake. She tries to use the ring to get it from him, uh, but he tells her she does not ha- or he does not have it, and he breaks down, causing the orderlies to enter and restrain him, and Todd and Margaret must leave. Back home, Putnam is checking on the professor. He is still unconscious, and the doctor says that there will be some paralysis on the side. He says the professor wanted to protect her from the artifacts in the basement. Todd reads the professor's journal. The simultaneous events of the professor entering the tomb in Margaret's birth were unity created by Tara. She had prepared for an abstract metaphysical state by lying in her sarcophagus, creating an astral body with free will and unconscious intelligence, a power over sleep. He believes this power could be used to keep people alive for a long time in suspended animation. Margaret says she feels Tara is dreaming of loneliness and in an ancient lands and times when love was divine. In the mental hospital that night, the orderlies tease Berrigan with the cobra and leave it on his desk where he can see it. He struggles in his straight jacket and then he goes still. Suddenly, the snake disappears from the desk, and is and his shadow is seen approaching him. The window bursts open and blows everything around, but he cannot escape. The snake approaches and strikes him, and he dies with his cut or his throat cut open. The next morning, the professor wakes up, and Margaret explains that he had a terrible shock. She asks about the ring and why he would protect her. The professor explains that the priests severed it because they thought it was the source of her evil. She says Berrigan is dead, and that the snake has appeared in their basement. She mentions Corbeck, but the professor implores her to not have anything to do with him. She asks where Tara's hand is, but he won't answer. Out the window, she sees Corbeck, and she goes across the street to confront him. They argue over the facts, uh, but she says that they need her, and she's interested in the power she may now have. Corbeck says Tara is beyond good and evil, and that they need to understand her. He says the relics from her tomb are needed for her resurrection from the dead, to provide power over life and death. He says her father is weak and cannot be a part of it. She will do anything to have all the power, so Korback says they will do it together. At Jeffrey's, his assistant tells him about Bergen's death as she leaves at the end of the day. He realizes that the dog skull is significant. Margaret arrives and says she wants the skull. He panics and tries to escape out a window. Uh, but he drops the box. As he looks for it, he hears the dog call and he flees. Todd arrives at Jeffrey's, wondering what is going on, but it's Margaret who answers the door and tells him nothing. He looks around and hears the dog call from outside. He investigates where he finds an empty box that once housed the skull. Hearing noises and then a scream, he finds Jeffrey's body with the throat lacerated. He sees the shadow of the dog running away. Margaret looks at Tara's body in the sarcoph. The wrist is still bleeding, fresh blood. Corbeck arrives, and together they see that both the co- the cobra and the dog skull are now present in the basement. Todd arrives and tries to stop Corbeck and Margaret. When he refuses, or when they refuse, he drives away to get help. Margaret screams, wishing Todd was dead, and he crashes his car into a tree. His throat is also cut open. She is frightened, but Corbeck says he must, or she must not weaken as she is coming of age and Margaret suddenly collapses on the floor. The professor staggers down to the basement and sees Margaret lying on the floor. Corbeck explains that Margaret no longer exists and soon Tara will be reborn and the professor cannot do anything to stop it. Margaret dreams in bed watching the professor and Dr. Putnam. The professor insists Putnam give her an injection to ensure she will not wake up. Uh, he tries to convince her, or, but then she wakes back up and he tries to convince her to go back to bed, but she uses her willpower to kill him. He dies with a lacerated throat like the others and Margaret awakens from her trance and flees. The professor returns to find Putnam's body and Corbeck arrives to help the professor. Corbeck says that they need each other and they cannot control Tara, um otherwise margaret arrives at helen dickerson's house she's afraid and tries to strike margaret instead she concedes and gives margaret the statue of the cat however as margaret leaves she uses her power to kill helen margaret reappears at the door and tells corbeck to come with her the professor finds the scroll of life in the basement and sees that the statue of the cat has now appeared he looks at the severed hand in the box margaret and corbeck arrive Korbeck takes the severed hand and places it back in the sarcophagus next to the wrist. The professor implores him not to read the the scroll, saying Tara has abused her power. But Margaret says she is ready and that they must do this. Korbeck reads the scroll of life to reunite reunite Tara's soul and body and rekindle her astral spirit. The hand reattaches itself to the wrist, and Margaret says to the professor it was Tara that led them all there. The professor realizes that Tara is in Margaret and Corbeck must not finish the scroll. They stab Corbeck to death, but Tara awakens anyway. They try to kill her too, but she kills the professor first. Margaret manages to stab her, but the building then collapses on top of all of them. In a hospital, the medical staff have no idea who the woman is who's all bandaged. Everyone else was crushed. Her eyes open wide but cannot speak from being underneath all of the bandages. And then the credits roll.
0: I looked up online to find out what other media is out there for The Mummy as we're in the final uh, film of the series. There was a Blood from the Mummy's Tomb book, but I don't feel as though it is a Blood from the Mummy's Tomb um, adaptation uh, I couldn't find a lot of information about it. It Came out in 1986. It was published in the UK, but the mummy on the cover does not look female, and there's also a black cat on the cover. There's no black cat in this movie. The snake is the familiar.
1: Right, but there is a cat statue that's black, and then Todd has a Todd has a cat, but it's like a, it's a sphinx cat.
0: Yeah, not quite the same. Also, no. in 19 uh, sorry, in 2016, uh, Hammer or Titan Titan started publishing hammer comics we already discussed the uh captain chronos vampire hunter comic book they only put out one other comic book that i'm aware of they put out the mummy and i thought it was like an adaptation or some type of sequel to this because it was a female mummy and by that i could tell based on the you know sometimes there's like some sort of shadowing of the mummy but the mummy's like wrapped up with you know like an hourglass figure um, mm-hmm. there's some cleavage poking through the money, mummy's bandages because even though she's all rotted their breasts still somehow stay amazingly <laughs> firm and <laughs> perky <laughs> well that ass <laughs> yep uh, there's I, I this also... there's a scene okay. where the uh, 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 the uh, the Pharaoh is calling out Osiris the green the green one Anubis lord of the underworld God my hand so I re- may remove the willing Isis's brain and Isis on the table screams brain no no! <laughs> And it ran I, uh, for five issues. Wow. Yeah, it was a series. I
1: want to make it abundantly clear that every single time we say mummy, we mean completely looking alive, totally normal, looks like she's sleeping uh, woman. She does not look at all like a mummy in no. any way, shape, or form. And
0: it's not until the end of the movie either that she's actually wrapped up in bandages. Yes,
1: and I'm not even sure which one it is at that point. It's kind of left up, it's kind of just like, I don't know, could be could be Margaret, could be Tara.
0: <laughs> and a lot of the other covers for this mummy movie, one has a really cool cover where it's she's all wrapped up in bandages and just her eyes poking through into the cover. There's another one where it looks like something Tim Vigil would draw, where it has three rotting corpses mummies lifting a sarcophagus, and there's a woman inside the sarcophagus like, practically naked with three mummies in the sarcophagus with her. <laughs> like, what the hell are they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's got some uh, leg and thigh and breast poking through this uh, burial dress or something like that. And, like, you know, uh, the mummies are around her. Another cover has the mummy half face and, the, and then a beautiful face the other half. Uh, one where she's got um, her legs and torso are still wrapped up in bandages. However... Her midriff and breasts are completely unwrapped, and she's, like, summoning lightning from her hand like she's the Spider-Man villain Electro. And there's a bunch of, like, pharaoh Anubis-looking, you know, jackal bird-like guards around her. Uh, (laughs) Another cover has her in a black set of yoga pants with a black tube top pointing towards the reader with mummy staring at the reader.
1: That's so strange.
0: Let's see what other cover we have. We have again, like the jackal, the bird, the flamingo guard. Egyptian <laughs> looks like a flamingo. Uh <laughs> standing next to some type of like snake like symbol. And again, the mummy chick on the floor, mostly wrapped up in bandages, with Egyptian writing all over her back, except for her ass is like, you know, completely poking through. <laughs> Cause you, know, you need that you need to grab that male gaze attention to buy these comic books. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, And then the other cover, which is, again, a cover in number one, it has her in, like, an Egyptian headdress with, like, an Egyptian thing around her neck, uh, you know, like a neck giant necklace. uh, Completely covered, by the way, except for she's got, like, you know, Rachel Green's friend set breasts, like, cold nipples poking up, and then a dead mummy behind her.
1: How strange.
0: Yep. Oh, there is one other cover I do. Like, uh, it's got like a dragon behind her, and like a mummy coming up from like the like a giant mummy head coming up from the sand, screaming. And then the mummy girl is in a like uh, a shawl that you can clearly see through to her legs, and she's got like some type of like slave girl Leia outfit bra on. (laughs) Yep, just you know, gotta sell those comic books. Yep. <laughs> so Valerie Leone, by the way, she was in neither one of the Bond movies that I said. She was actually oh. in The Spy Who Loved Me and Never Say Never Again. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was completely wrong. <laughs> you know it's the 1960s based on the go-go boots she is wearing.
1: Yes, and everyone's hairstyles.
0: <laughs> Very much so, especially the facial hair on the, uh, her beatnik boyfriend. hmm Like, tremendously. Why is the hand constantly bleeding of the mummy that they find, not wrapped up, still looking smoking hot out of 10 out of 10, all these years later, perky as hell breasts?
1: That outfit is incredible, by the way. Which Her one? Mummy the, one the, mummy,
0: the, the one the mummy's wearing?
1: Yeah, literally amazing.
0: <laughs> many, many people uh, say that this is more akin to a vampire story than a mummy movie, but this is based <laughs> on a story by uh, Bram Stoker.
1: Yes, um, and I actually, despite my love of um, of his Dracula, obviously, um, I'm not familiar with this story at all.
0: The Jewel of the Seven Stars, or Jewel of the Seven Stars, is what it's called. Let me look that up while you go into some detail about what happens at the beginning of the movie.
1: Yes, yeah, so we... <laughs> we start the beginning credits with a space background. Which oh I my god,
0: it goes on and on and on. That
1: <laughs> was an odd choice. Um, but then I guess in retrospect, it does make sense since a lot of this movie is about astral projection. Um so the other interesting thing about this, too, is that um there is a lot of occult in this movie. And, like, everyone just kind of is okay with that. So, like, in a lot of other horror films, um, or Hammer horror films, like, when there's one character who's like, oh, it's a, it's the mummy, or it's a vampire, and they're like, are you crazy, you freaky occult weirdo? In this one, everyone's just like, yeah, okay, cool, She, it's an occult thing, yeah, okay, she has ESP, sweet. Everyone's just like, okay, with that. So, um... I guess it makes sense to have the background be stars, but it is a bit
0: long. So the story by Bram Stoker, by the way, was published by uh, published in 1903. And the story is a first person narrative of a young man pulled into an archaeological archaeologist uh, archaeologist plot to revive Queen Tara, an ancient Egyptian mummy. What's the name of the mummy in this? Yeah, Queen Tara. Okay, so they did get it right. Um, In 1997, Lewis Gossett Jr. would make another adaptation of this movie called The Mummy. uh, Bram Stoker's The Mummy.
1: Yes, and it's fucking awful. Oh,
0: it is? Okay, so never watch that. There's also The Awakening in 1980, which is also based on this story. Hmm. And then The Tomb in 1986. And The Mummy Resurrected in 2014 supposedly are all adaptations of... Uh, this story. But I, I remember seeing wow. the story by Lewis, uh, by the, the Lewis Gossett Jr. VHS tape like back when you know VHSs were a thing to rent. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mummy Resurrected is on Tubi for free. You can watch The Blood from the Mummy's Tomb on Amazon Prime through their, one of their free apps. Or you can get the Blu-ray from Screen Factory, which has an audio commentary by Steve Haberman, who's been on the show. Uh, interview with sound recordist Tony Daw. Interview with camera operator Neil Binney. The Pharaoh's Curse inside Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, Curse from the Curse of Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Interviews with uh, Valerie Leon and screenwriter Christopher Wicking, as well as theatrical trailers, TV spots, radio spots, and still gallery.
1: <laughs> After our lovely space background, we immediately get into Valerie Leon's Queen Tara outfit. Um, literally, it just pans up to her. Um, very close up, amazing. Little stomach and giant titties and perfectly manicured fingernails. I was very distracted by that in a good way because, except, like, for, you that, know, except her, for that, except for that one d- thing, is her severed hand. Yeah, and her fingernails are fantastic. She has like a great manicure
0: going on. This is uh definitely one of the films that is referred to as the Hammer Glamour. Um, big on tits, little on plot, a lot of people, uh, have called it. The reviews of this are not fantastic, but, uh, later on it's become, like, a cult hit. And people have given it, like, a a second chance. Uh, but yeah, Yeah. it is a slow pan-up from the feet to the, just, like, the perfectness of this, of of Valerie Leone's body.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, and I did read, speaking of the Hammer Glamour, that she, um... I had had a really nice quote from her that she was, the like, all the Hammer producers, I guess, were probably a little upset with her because she refused to do full nudity
0: for any of the Hammer films. Poor producers.
1: And I'm like, wow, you can't let a woman have a fucking choice over what she wants to do? How about you write
0: that into the contract and you present it to the actor before she signs on for it, so that way there's no BS later on behind the scenes right um you put that right in the front saying there's going to be nudity in this film yes or no do you want the role no okay we'll move on to the next person you know what i mean exactly or or ask them what will it take you to do the nude scene you know what what do you need what do you close set do you need more money let's work something out you know what i mean no you're not gonna get fucked on camera no no one's gonna touch you on camera but we want nudity right exactly it, and i would put that in a contract with anybody you know i'd be i'd be very upfront oh, yeah. like hey listen i want i want a nude scene in this thing what do you need okay you need five hundred dollars all right easy to go um but uh yeah just just get it out there right at the beginning don't try to uh, like s- squeeze it in later on or something like that uh is that why like when she turns around when she gets up her bed her breasts are in shadow
1: Yes, I think that's exactly why. that And that she walks incredibly fast to where her clothes are. Yeah, because she did not, she refused to do any uh, full frontal nudity at all.
0: Now, you know that um, Christopher, uh, sorry, Peter Cushing was supposed to be in this movie. Oh, he was? Yes, he left the production uh, because his wife was diagnosed with emphysema.
1: Oh, that's right, yes, I did read that.
0: So, which eventually would lead to her unfortunate passing, uh, you know, alongside the other Frankenstein movies he did. Um, very unfortunate. Yeah. And then uh, he would take a little bit of a break from acting for a brief moment before, of course, being cast in uh, Star Wars.
1: Right. Oh, I also had the, the opening set when they leave the, the tomb. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I have two things there. That it, um, looks remarkably like a Star Trek TOS like the original Star Trek set. It's just like a a one color background and some rocks. Uh-huh. They do that a lot in Star Trek um, in the early episodes. By the but way, I- did you
0: know Valerie Leon sells a calendar on her website of all of her pictures? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then the most recent year, 2021, you can get a 2021 Valerie Leon calendar. It's her in all sorts of bikini shots and dresses. <laughs> you know, she is definitely not fully clothed in any one of these images. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Oh, what else is? Oh yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm deciphering my notes because they're pretty funny. Um, she. Let's see. Oh, I almost couldn't. I had trouble telling like what was going on when they first if she was like dead or not, because when the um they the priests like put a little like tool into her nose, which I guess they do for like mummification and whatnot. Uh, but her Valerie Leon, she, um, she twitches when they, cause she has her eyes closed cause she's supposed to be dead. And she twitches right. when the, the thing touches her nose. And I was like, Oh wait, is she not dead? Is she actually sleeping? Am I mis- are they poisoning her now? Am I misunderstanding? But no, it was just that it was an accident. <laughs> they didn't do another take. <laughs>
0: Uh, I mentioned earlier that the purple jacket is the most fetching thing that she wears this entire movie. Afterwards, um, just absolutely uh, beautiful. And uh, at the fifty-three point uh, fifty-three minute mark, we get uh, Valerie Leon's just amazingly, just gorgeous figure. Which, if you go on Google, there are like tons of Im- you know still images from this movie and on the Blu-ray uh, of her in the black nighty, just. Mm-hmm. Over oh, in abundance, you know what I mean. Yes, it is yeah, unbelievable. She's, she's I just
1: natural double D's, and they are
0: glorious. They, um, they're they're she is brought to amazingly DC animated life in a st- in a in a, in a, in a um, Bruce Timm has a series of hammer glamour pictures that he drew. Uh, Mm -hmm. and Valerie Leone is on one of them uh, which I posted on Twitter at ChristySAV uh, side by side with her in the same pose as is in the artwork as is the photo Uh, Bruce Tim was a huge Hammer fan and he also has uh, many collections of his Batman the Animated, Superman the Animated Justice League Animated style artwork uh, with uh, nude women yeah it's really awesome yeah there uh there are several volumes of that out there and the most recent one just recently came out just a collection of his artwork with again they're not the dc characters and some of them are but they're usually clothed but then he draws like you know nude females in that dc animated universe style
1: yeah it's his his art is so cool he does a great job like all the colors and just uh it's awesome
0: right trying to uh send you an image on skype there's a great picture of, of val she's sitting in the black dress with her back to a series of hammer posters i thought she was in lust for the vampire but it just happens hmm. to be one of the pictures behind her it's just a, it's just a promo shot but she's in the black dress with her back to a bunch of hammer um pictures there's also a picture of her done up as Vampirella. apparently that is photoshop
1: oh yeah i saw that earlier today and i thought it I was like there's no way that's real. <laughs>
0: Why is this like mummy body just like sitting here? This whole this whole entire film.
1: Oh, I know. Uh, I, I don't get it. it why? It's... Why
0: doesn't somebody put this someplace? Why is it so well preserved? Is it because it's kind of a vampire? I mean, the I just I don't I don't understand the mummy's body laying there no. the entire time, half no. naked, uncovered. <laughs> yes. So
1: they find her body, and in the so. In the flashback, they find her body, um, and it's totally normal. Looks exactly like an alive human being sleeping, but she's dead. And then instead of instead of taking it to like a museum or science or something, the fucking professor uh, Margaret's dad just puts all this shit in his basement. He literally has a basement full of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics artifacts paintings
0: the mummy i'm um, half waiting for uh, indiana jones to scream out it belongs in a museum so everyone like, can gawk at the half-naked well-preserved mummy with the missing like, hand
1: he just goes down to his basement every night just to look at her like oh, what the fuck
0: gross and, dude i don't want to single... know what he's doing down there with the na- half-naked Missing hand mummy woman.
1: Every single man in this film is kind of creepy. Like, they're all a little weird. Honey,
0: what are you doing down there in the basement? <laughs> Nothing! <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like,
1: even... um Like, all of them. They're all creepy. Like, Corbeck is a weirdo, and he's also kind of evil. The doctor is a total freak. The orderlies are super rude and mean. Um, Todd who is the boyfriend is a fucking jerk. They're in a toxic relationship. Like every man is a fucking weirdo. And I'm like, what is happening? Why is, why is everything like this? I'm uncomfortable. Like Valerie Leon's character, Margaret goes to meet with her boyfriend and they drive. The to his, yeah. They drive to his, like his house. I guess, or apartment or something, and she like he's totally ignoring her or whatever, and she's like on his bed and she goes, I just think sometimes I think you only want me for two things. And he goes, You're absolutely right. And she goes, You drink too much. And like so he's like drunk and telling her, like, yeah, bro, I absolutely just want you for sex. Definitely.
0: I just sent you that picture. I got it like unbelievable
1: (laughs) yeah that's really cute that's so cute i love that
0: she's so beautiful in this movie (laughs) um what's her boyfriend's name todd todd with one d todd with one d all right so he's played by mark edwards and uh also the film as we said was directed by two people uh seth but also michael carreras who is uncredited in the movie um Mm -hmm. mark edwards was also in tower of evil uh tom jones rides again not familiar with that one and in uh, the magical world of disney uh i don't believe he was in any other hammer movies had a very short career yeah he is apparently still alive today which is interesting Mm. uh living currently in australia wow seth holt the director of the movie also directed the lady killers danger man And uh, Scream of Fear, which I'm not too familiar with what that is, but seems to be his only Hammer movie unless he edited something or he produced something or wrote. Nope, he didn't do anything else. We will probably run into Valerie Leone again in another Hammer film, so we won't get too uh, divey into her film as well. Corbeck um, was played by James Villiers. He was Tanner in For Your Eyes Only. Uh, so he's also from uh, the Bond franchise, being a British hmm. actor—that's not too far of a stretch. I still don't understand why is the mummy's hand always bleeding.
1: Um, so I associate it with every time someone dies, the mummy's hand is bleeding. But
0: why? I don't get it. I don't
1: know. I I don't know.
0: It's just obviously someone underneath underneath the table just pushing blood through the tube, and her hand <laughs> is like her arm is underneath the table, and the the yeah. prosthetic is there, which is fine. But it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No.
1: No, and I don't understand, what I also don't understand is the main driving force behind this. So her dad, who's obsessed with this literally evil queen woman, because he thinks that unlocking her astral projection powers, which is weird bullshit anyway, could save human beings' lives by by preserving their body because very clearly her body is preserved perfectly and she could just like wake up when they finish all the stuff even though it seems like a very long and drawn out ritual to reawaken her i don't really see the logistics happening there but um the questionable part to me is that he knows that she is evil he knows that his, her priestess or her priest's cut off her hand because they thought the big old ruby ring she was wearing was the source of her evil and then what does he do he literally gives it to his daughter for her birthday and his daughter is the spitting image of this woman like what the fuck is wrong with you why did you give Why did you give her the evil ring? What did you possibly think was going to happen?
0: Because plot dictated.
1: (laughs) I just don't get it. I don't understand.
0: The only (laughs) other woman who had like a significant role in this movie uh, was the character Helen played by Rosalie Crutchley. Crutchley. She was in the original Haunting. The Haunting. Outside of that. Nothing really overly significant that stands out to me. I thought it said the Jabberwocky. You know, that's the Jacker <laughs> The Count of Monte Cristo, the TV series, which I'm sure that could be made into a TV series. I think. I think nowadays we we called it Revenge. Do um, <laughs> you ever see Revenge? No. It was an ABC show. It's basically the Count of Monte Cristo with a chick.
1: Oh, okay. It's
0: not the Count of Monte Cristo, but the story is pretty much the same thing. Woman mm. gets disgraced, sent to prison. She supposedly dies in prison, comes back completely different, where she's like a mousy little thing, and then she comes back and she's like smoking hot and nobody recognizes her. <laughs> I think that's a little harder to do with a woman than a guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Um, and then, of course, uh, Andrew Keir plays um, Fux, quite the name for a character. Uh, oh, I know uh was in dragon world the legend continues tv movie dragon world uh the original cleopatra rob roy quartermaster and the pit i believe this is the only hammer movie they did he did besides quartermaster and the pit Hmm. uh the devil ship pirates i think that's one of the hammer movies we've mentioned previously uh career went back to 1950 wow thomas cromwell in the man for all seasons at the globe theater is his most significant work i'm not too hmm. familiar oh thomas cromwell i think of crown oh i'm thinking of thomas crown oh he was in dracula prince of darkness as well he was father sandor
1: oh interesting
0: yes so we've seen uh fucks before <laughs>
1: <laughs> um oh what was i just gonna say
0: oh um Most of my notes are basically about why is this always this thing always bleeding? Why is this mummy always looking so well preserved? Uh, The psychic power uh, abilities that she shares when she becomes part of the mummy and very silent is rather unusual. Like she's allowed, you know, when she gets possessed by the mummy, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't really have a lot of a personality other than just like showing off her powers. Yes. Um, and then, uh, the, the movie ends on a very unusual way for our heroine, does. our, our main hero, heroine, bad guy, bad girl, unwilling, bad girl. I don't know what to call her. She's not <laughs> no, like the I'm punisher. Not sure. She's not an anti-hero.
1: No, she kind of, it's kind of astounding. Like the second she gets the ring and then she realizes she can have power over people. She's like, well, shit, I'm into this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Okay. Again, why the fuck do you have the ring? Why did anyone think this is a good idea? <laughs> um, oh, I remember I was say, here we have the wonderful juxtaposition of many, many, many scenes of her standing in the um, basement full of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics and art that is all brown people, and she's this pale, white woman. And are like, yeah, mm-hmm. this juxtaposition is not weird at all.
0: here's a weird factoid that's on imdb i don't understand quite why it's here and i'm not really sure if this was like you know the movie was like heavily ruined and they found this copy ing uh ingman berman do you know who that is bergman is he one of the actors in this no he's the famous uh writer director of like the seventh seal Oh, okay. Uh, Cries and Whisper, Persona, Wild Strawberries—probably the Seventh Seal is his biggest claim to fame. Mm-hmm. Very classic, like old director from bygone era of the 1940s and 50s. Um, he had a copy of this movie on VHS in his collection when he was found dead. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure why that's like a big factoid. I mean, but sure. <laughs> uh, by the way, this is the only of the Hammer Mummy films that Michael Ripper doesn't appear. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the character Todd Browning is named as an homage to the director of the, uh, you know, such films like the original Dracula.
1: Yes. Um, I also love that when, like, Corbeck comes in and it's like, yeah, um, you know, Margaret here, she's got superpowers. And uh, Todd's just like, oh, yeah, I know. I went to college for ESP. <laughs> like you, what? It, what? Yeah. What is happening? Why is this? Ha- why? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it is. Funny. That is very funny, and it did. It did just dawn on me that Michael Ripper is in all three of the Mummy movies. Again, we just got done talking about him in the last episode, as you know, the the unfortunate manservant to the the main douchebag of the Mummy Shroud. Yeah. Yeah um but uh, again he has a long prestigious career in hammer films but he just he just didn't happen to be in this one the asylum scenes in this movie are like holy crap
1: (laughs) yeah they're kind of they're rough
0: yeah they're really rough especially for this time period
1: yeah and i mean to be honest i i feel like it's a accurate depiction of what happens in uh mental asylums because no one is ever treated well but Fuck, it's hard to watch them be so cruel, like needlessly cruel.
0: I mean, you get the screaming outside the asylum. This kind of reminds me of something you'd see in a Batman cartoon, you know what I mean? Like Arkham Mm -hmm. Asylum.
1: Yeah, I actually thought it kind of reminded me of, because I had Bram Stoker on the mind, it did kind of remind me of Renfield in the uh, Coppola movie. Because he's in the the insane asylum full of screaming crazy people. And he's like, you know, a little weird little man. Doing the master's bidding, and, right? Because uh, the that's uh
0: Tom Tom Waits, right? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So uh, that kind of reminded me of Renfield. Um,
0: Speaking of blood and vampire movies, tell the audience what vampire movie you had never seen before until just this weekend, which I was shocked about.
1: Oh yeah i know i had never seen interview with vampire i cannot
0: i cannot believe you i just cannot i just i think you're lying i think you're a liar (laughs) i just i'm shocked by that
1: i know i don't do like i've never seen twilight if it's it's like a romance i was just like nah fuck it i'm gonna
0: get my fill of twilight when i go see the batman in theaters because he's the new batman
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i have nothing against him i think he's a good actor and i think that those films no one tried at all which is pretty funny um but the vamp- interview with the Vampire was actually enjoyable. Yeah. and I had no idea. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's really good. Uh, th- there's a couple things I don't like about it, and we'll get right back to our actual movie because we're not a yeah. Vampire. Uh, we're not the Anne Rice podcast. Um, you know that Antonio Banderas was terribly miscast as the character Armand, right? Armand is supposed to be only like a couple years older than Claudia.
1: Oh, wait, really? So I have no, I haven't read any of the books because again, I don't do romance.
0: Yeah. Claudia is like, Armand is like a teenage vampire kid. He's not like 30 something year old Mexican actor.
1: That's so funny because I adored Antonio Banderas in this. I was like, oh my God, look at his beautiful hair. I oh love. yeah,
0: he, he's fantastic in that movie. If you want to see more Antonio Banderas, go see a little movie in theaters starring Ryan Reynolds, Selma Hayek, and uh, Samuel Jackson called The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Oh <laughs> yes,
1: I was seeing ad, ads for that.
0: Yeah, he's the villain in the movie. <laughs> 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 That's all the notes I have here. That she becomes wrapped up and the, mo- the, mo- the movie abruptly ends with our close-up of her eyes wrapped up in the credits scrolling up you know, she gives into the power and then she truly becomes the mummy. And it's just funny. It's like at the end of the movie, we, she actually looks like a real, what you think of a mummy.
1: Right. It's so strange because the film just kind of ends again that, you know, it's kind of like a theme for a lot of the hammer movies is that it just kind of ends, Right. but it also is like everyone else is crushed to death. So they all have that you you know, big fight where Corbin gets, or Corbeck gets stabbed. Uh, Her dad gets his throat slashed. And then uh, Todd, oh, we didn't talk about Todd. Todd dies too. um, Earlier in a hilarious way. He's dead. Um, But, uh, (laughs) uh, so then it's just Margaret and Tara and they're, like, choking each other out. And then Margaret stabs Tara right in the tit. And they're like, not the boob, dude. Why did you stab her right in the yeah. boob? Yeah. Then before it really makes it clear who, like, lived or died or whatever, the entire house crushes them. And, like, they, then we immediately cut to, and, I mean, from an actor perspective, it actually looked like they were getting legitimately crushed with shit like i was like are they okay like did they really just throw a bunch of shit on these actors um but they so they get crushed to death and then we just randomly go to a scene in a hospital room with margaret tara completely bandaged up and the nurse is like we have no idea who this woman is everyone else was just crushed to death so we have no clue only she can tell us but they wrapped her fucking mouth so all that's left is her eyes Like I don't even know how she's breathing because they didn't give her any nose holes so um, then she just opens her eyes and has like a panicked look on her face and is mumbling something um, and then it ends so god knows what the fuck is happening
0: this movie must have been cursed in some way a lot of people think as well because the director Seth Holt died of a heart attack five weeks into the six week shooting schedule of this movie and the film had to be completed by his partner Michael Carreras
1: Yes, I read that. And that Valerie Leon apparently liked Holt better than Carreras to work with, because uh, she got a little more direction from him. Maybe this movie and,
0: doesn't uh, hold up in her memory very well, and that's why she's not responded to any interviews to come on the show. Um, but she does yeah. sell a lot of photos of her in that black dress, so... Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna... yeah, I'm gonna. I don't know. I When people say that, which nobody has said that to me, and that's my only speculation, that she declines interviews to talk about a movie that she's so well known for, but sells photographs of herself half-naked from the movie I, I don't quite understand that but again I'm just speculating you know <laughs> she didn't apparently she declined to do an updated interview for the Scream Factory Blu-ray that came out so interesting that's why I'm making that speculation that oh, okay. she's not a big fan of this film anymore but she's mm-hmm. selling photographs of herself from the film like yeah. lots of photographs from herself the purple yeah. the black as the mummy <laughs> I don't know what that tells you. Yeah. Make a profit from my role, but don't talk about my role.
1: Right. Because one's passive and one's active. Right. Definitely.
0: Uh, That's Uh, all the notes I have for this. Uh, We got to wrap it up because I'm going to go on Radio of Horror soon.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. The only other thing I wanted to point out was that Todd dies hilariously in a car accident because Margaret wants him to. But in the actual car accident the background is not moving in any way. So Todd's just like screaming in his car and then he suddenly hits a tree. And it is very funny to me. I I laughed the whole time.
0: And like I said, uh, you can find the film uh, free on streaming and it's on Blu-ray as well. Um, Old DVDs can be found as well. Uh, Those were out of print for quite some time and fetching high bucks. But now that it's on Blu-ray, those DVDs are pretty easy to find. Everyone traded in their DVDs to get that Blu-ray that Scream Factory still sells on their website. So it's not out of print yet. And that's all the time we have here. Uh, Like I said, the boobs get awarded to Valerie Leone in this episode. The blood gets rewarded to Valerie Leone's stumpy hand. (laughs) Yes. And the badass is... Who? I mean, ah, there's no, good. like, hero in this film.
1: No. Everyone kind of sucks or dies.
0: Right. Let's just give it to Val since she already got the other yeah. two for the blood and the boobs. Yeah. And she's the badass because she's playing both parts. She's yes. lying down a lot and she's walking around in a gorgeous black dress or a purple uh, overcoat. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which, if she ever comes on the show, I got to ask her, did you keep the black nighty? Did you keep the purple overcoat? <laughs> right. She has, like, brown hair in this movie, uh, very dark brown hair. But you look at a lot of the photographs of her today, she has blonde hair.
1: Yeah, and I've seen she has had black hair before and, like, dirty blonde. So I, I'm not sure what her natural hair color is.
0: Mm, yeah. Again, you can find us on the Dorkening Network with all the other episodes that we've covered, as well as my other show, the Spectacular Sal Basima Era Podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter at Chris D S A V.
1: And you can find me at Roloren, R-O-L-0-R-E-N.
0: And you can also go to Valerie Leone's website and buy photographs of her in the black uh, ninety, like we've said, or the purple uh, purple overcoat, or uh, from her Bond movies, or her as the mummy. I highly recommend it. Uh, I'm definitely gonna be getting one I, I, I completely forgot about it. I was gonna do it months ago but I'm definitely gonna get one of her either in the black or her with her montage of different characters that she plays um, it's cool that she has her calendar that she's uh, selling of like all of her you know glory days yes that is a woman who knows that that she is that she was a uh, she was a heartthrob of the cinema <laughs> and you can also send us an email that at gmail.com and we'll be back in a few weeks with the, gor- the the the, the Gorgon the Gorgon. We're doing the Gorgon first, I believe. Yeah. Yes, the Gorgon. A couple of standalone hammer films before we start the Carnella trilogy here on Boobs, Blood and Badasses, The Hammer Horror Podcast.
1: Mm-hmm.